Welcome to the Honest Art Podcast. I'm your host, Jody King. As an artist for 20 years, instructor, speaker, author, and fellow rebel, I've worked with thousands of people around the world, from beginners to established artists, helping them create their strongest art and build a career doing what they love. So if you are ready to have a little fun while you learn about art, creativity, building a thriving art business, and living a bold, audacious life, you are in the right place. Also, if you're considering going pro in your art business, grab the PDF in the show notes on the five things they don't teach you in art school. All right, let's get messy. Hello and welcome back. It's such an honor that you return week after week uh, to listen or to watch the podcast this week, especially you're going to get a ton out of the episode and you're going to fall in love with my very special guest, Anna Stapleton, who is going to share her story, which is absolutely fascinating, but you're going to get a lot also out of her experience of working as, y'all wait for this, ready? Uh, An art (laughs) consultant an art department coordinator on feature films and a stylist placing art in hotels and restaurants and other high profile venues all while also being a writer and an artist herself and an incredible mom to four kids lucky for me She's also a dear friend. So we decided to do this interview in the flesh. We had a couple of hiccups even early on. And we're like, no, we're going we're gonna to do this because we, we want to do this together. So everyone out there, be sure to head to YouTube if you want to watch us um, and to check out the full video. This is so exciting. <laughs> Say hello to the brilliant and talented and gorgeous Anna Stapleton. Hello. <laughs> Jody. That was such a like a, a breathy <laughs> hello. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm super it? excited to be here with you. Um, I have been listening and to the podcast since you started it, and in fact, I think I knew about the podcast before you started it, and I had I all these did. ideas for you. you and here I am. It was such a surprise that you asked me to be on it, and I'm so honored. Um, but every single time I listen to it, I just feel so grateful because you're so generous with everything that you share and I learned something new and you're just the best. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Speaking of generous, (laughs) you are so incredibly generous. All right. So I'm going to give, uh, honor Anna her due. And, um, before we dive in, I want to talk to you, um, about some of her accomplishments. So just bear with me, Anna. Okay. <laughs> Pretend I'm not in the room. All right. Anna Stapleton is a Mexican-born writer, stylist, and artist living in Austin, Texas. Her creative career spans the worlds of art, film, hospitality, and design. A lifelong treasure hunter, which I love that you said that. She's drawn to the mystery and history of found objects. Her studio work, I can't wait to talk about your art. Um, Her studio work explores feminine identity, cultural duality, and dreamscapes, and she wears dresses most days to avoid having to match separates, but clearly she went rogue today. (laughs) And should we tell people how the day started? Oh, yes, please do. (laughs) So Anna and I have a a tendency to... um, have similar, th- it's just this very weird thing that we have. Uh, but before the podcast, we were talking about what should I wear, blah, blah, blah. And so I had on this orangish red cashmere <laughs> cropped sweater, and you texted me and said, Okay, well, I'm wearing this orangish red <laughs> cashmere sweater. That's where the day started. Y'all probably don't care about that, but I, we thought it was pretty. We actually do have a picture I'll post on Instagram of us in these matching sweaters. We didn't know we were going to wear, but we did. Yes. So, so I Thanks changed for clothes. changing. <laughs> You're welcome. That's a good friend. Yeah. Who changes. You're yeah. a good friend. Yeah. All right. So let's get into to the podcast because yes. you've got so much um, value that you can bring to the listeners to whether you're an artist or you're not an artist, um, you're going to get a lot out of this. So let's just start. And, um, you know, what is it about your background that brought you into the arts? Okay. Well, um, I think there wasn't anything specific 
but just always, I think it's intrinsic in me that I was born a super creative kid. And um, I would just make things out of things and collect pebbles and twigs and make forts and crayons were my favorite thing ever. I would carry coloring books with me everywhere we went. Did you really? Yes. <laughs> and uh, my favorite thing to do when I visited my grandmother was to go into her sewing room because she had bolts of fabric and ribbon and trim and buttons. And it was just fantasy world everywhere I looked. So I think I've always had the ability to look at things for their potential and put them together in different ways. And that's kind of translated throughout my life as a thread. And so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I think I was kind of born that way. So, um, I, I hear this a lot when people, um, feel like they're not necessarily creative, but yet it's because they're so inherently creative, yeah. right? It's just part of who they are. Yes. And that sounds like you as well. Yes. So when did, did, did it happen that you, um, could make a living, maybe not a living, but started making money doing yes. things that were creative. When did yes. that happen? Oh gosh. Well, that's a, a really good question because <clears throat> I studied thinking that I was an artist and a creative. Um, I studied English and art in college and um, had so much fun. And I also got into women women's studies and then um, it came time to figure out what's next. And my dad really wanted me to apply to law school because he was a lawyer and he was a first generation American and was the first person in his family to go to grad school or college. So um, I wanted to go to art school, but my dad said um, he wouldn't pay for it <laughs> and encouraged me to go to law school. And I thought maybe I could do something to change the world there, that I could uh, pave the path for the women in my family who are from Mexico and who may have not um, kind of been encouraged in that direction necessarily. So I did go to law school and it was a terrible detour. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. It was not for me. And at that time, it wasn't really, there was not a lot of public interest in women's kind of work that I was interested in. So I am not a quitter. So I finished and then I passed the bar and immediately deactivated and I went to work in a pottery studio. So not the ideal money-making kind of scenario, back to your question, but it kind of led to a series of amazing serendipitous moments for me. And so from that pottery studio. My parents were really mad at me, but um, <laughs> I went to a creative women's happy hour. Yeah, I can imagine what that conversation was like. <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> I'm doing it my way now. Right. Um, but I went to a creative women's happy hour and I'll never forget there was a woman in the room across the room. She was talking about a movie that she was making. And when I heard that she was making a movie, I kind of started stalking her. And um, I didn't want to be a weirdo, but I, you know, I, I stopped her and I said, Hey, can I take you to coffee? I want to find out more about this movie that you're making because in my mind, people made movies in Hollywood, but not in Austin. Yeah. So it was cool. She introduced me to someone who she didn't have a job for me, but she introduced me to someone who might be able to hire me. And the position that they had was to be a production assistant, which is the very bottom of the barrel. And I was thrilled. I could not believe my luck. Well, I, you make a really good point. You know, now to be a PA, to be, you know, a production assistant, that's like the job everybody is trying to get, Yeah, but it's so hard to get. It's hard to get. And it's also, it's funny, like I am, um, a lawyer, a, you know, a licensed attorney yeah. and I was happy, just ecstatic to go in to work with the art department and, um, I was, you know, getting lunches for people, emptying trash, like, doing those errands, the grunt work. But at the same time, I was being exposed to a whole world that was so creative and so full of promise and possibility. And um, I got to understand in the art department on movies, the way that movies are made. It takes teams and teams of people. It's layers and layers of creativity. It's like, it starts with, when you think about what a movie is, it starts with one person's idea. Right. Then they have to write it down. Then they have to pitch it. I mean, it's like, could go on forever. But right. Ultimately, it's, uh, you know, several hundred people coming together for months and months. And then, you know, what you like manage to accomplish ends up, in, you know, you're in the dark theater and you see it on the screen. It's really amazing that, right. that that kind of stuff can even happen. Right. Right. But it, it taught me so much about creative problem solving and collaboration. And it was probably one of the most fun periods of my life. I worked on movies for about 
12 years in Austin. And I got lucky because at that time there were a ton of movies being made. So I kind of worked back to back and um, I didn't pivot from that business until I had this like crazy opportunity to move to Mexico with my then husband um, to go build some hotels in Playa del Carmen. So I couldn't, wow. I couldn't turn that down. It's my homeland, right? And I have the uh, cultural fluency for that. And it was just a once in a lifetime opportunity. So, um, so I, I think I've answered your question about how to make money with art, but that's how I started. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just to, um, yeah. The, and it wasn't just so much of like, how do you make money with art? It was, it was more like, how you make the leap from being in it. I mean, really going to law school uh, and, you know, and pivoting into the arts and kudos, by the way, that took chutzpah <laughs> to say, no, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the things I've always loved about you. You're, you're so true to yourself. Well, thank you for saying that because honestly, I have had moments when I worry that I have not had a straight line path, that I have not known what I was going to do from the very beginning and stuck to it and gotten better and better at it. I've really dabbled in a lot of different um, industries in a way that like looking back on it makes perfect sense, like in a, in a, kism Isn't that funny how that in a kismet way. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I've definitely been hard on myself about like not having gotten all the way to the end of something and, you know, mastered it because I've been trying different things. But what I found looking back on all of it is that um, I'm always learning and it never stops. And every single point on the path that I've been on has prepared me for the next point. Right. And if, if you could, it, I try to look at life and look at my work as in the moment and across time. So I can look back and say, oh, when I worked on the movie, I learned all about, you know, not only how a movie gets made, but budgeting for the movie and timelines and all that kind of like project management work, which then ended up helping me in Mexico when I worked on these projects. I got to do really cool stuff because I had the skills that I learned in the art department. Right. And I didn't even realize I was preparing for that job in Mexico that I ultimately got, which was super cool. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit more, you know, about that. What from an artistic perspective, you know, what or creativity oh my perspective, gosh. <laughs> what was that like? Oh, it was heaven in many ways. Um, we went initially because my husband got hired and um, I was excited. I'm Mexican, I'm bilingual, and I um, was seven months pregnant <laughs> and we had a toddler and we sold everything in moves and it could have been the Holiday Inn, right? And we would have done it, but it turns out the hotel project was with the core hotel group. And there was an up and coming designer at the time that I'd never heard of, um, who is now pretty famous. Her name is Kelly Worsler. Uh -huh. So I accidentally um, landed in Playa del Carmen, really pregnant, um, with my husband first working, but they, they quickly realized that I had this kind of cultural fluency and this design background myself. And um, I started doing little things and they would send me like to different parts of Mexico to look at tile. And because I had I had the ability to understand the language and the, the norms, right? Right. And they didn't as much. Right. So it was a win-win. But um, I got to work with Kelly um, installing some of her, the villas that she had designed, the model villas. And I got to, because I knew that all that spreadsheet stuff, I got to inventory all the, like the, the first, I had the first view of what she was sending over for her design and decor and it's exquisite. And yeah. she tends to, um, create things out of nowhere and nothing. Like she has a lot of bespoke things that she creates. And so I got to see how she would match the history of Mexico and the geography of Mexico with what she was choosing for the project. And then that was something that I brought back with me. I ultimately worked on some hotels in Austin after that. And right. I brought those skills of matching what you're going to place in a space to the history and the soul of the space. Right. And I learned that in Mexico. Right. And right. I learned it to a certain extent in movies because you want to be authentic when you're decorating a set. So right. Right. All this kind of stuff, it just kind of is a through line, even though the, the industries are different. Right. 
Um, that's that is so fascinating, and the and the way that uh, life has just prepared you for each <laughs> next thing. Um, so within that, did you have an opportunity to choose art, or was that not in the you know in the scope of your responsibilities yet? When I was in Mexico, um, Kelly was such an incredibly gifted designer and had a very specific vision. So my only creative role with her was I um, would go find weird stuff that she might like yeah. on the ground. <laughs> and there were some things. And I found this, um, these jungle hippie artisan people that um, became very dear friends of ours. And they would make furniture and mirrors and bowls out of you know, fallen trees. They were always repurposing trees in the jungle. And so she liked some of those accessories and some of those were, you know, my finds, but I was just so grateful that I got to be in, in her orbit yeah. and, and learn from her, her aesthetic. Yeah. And mine is different from her. She's a lot more neutral maybe than I am. I'm more colorful probably. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until I got back to Austin and I was working on hotels here that I could really have more of a hand in, you know, the, the aesthetic decision-making. Right. And that's fine with me. Yeah. Well, you gotta, you know, earn your chops or learn your chops. I don't even know how you say that. You know, um, we often joke, like we were saying earlier about our sweaters, we often joke about the similarities between our stories. Yeah. And I had a similar story like that. I don't think you know this. Um, I went to work for Carol Bolton in Fredericksburg, who had, at the time, five different home furnishing stores. I remember those. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. And Carol still has um, um, uh, stores in Fredericksburg, <clears throat> and she's still an incredible designer. In fact, you know, some of the things in my home are from there. But that's where I started learning design and creativity. Uh -huh. And, you know, from her, this was back in my 20s, and then, you know, people would would hire me to help design their homes and, and talk about imposter syndrome. Like, are you <laughs> got to be kidding me? I, yes. I just started this two years ago or right. six months ago or whatever it might be. But that's interesting that we have a similar. Absolutely. Yeah. Not surprising, right? Yeah. And on the flip side of that, you know, I can definitely relate to the imposter syndrome, but the flip side is um, it's really fun to, when you notice that everything is, connected to yeah. everything you've done in the past and that there are people there to breathe some magic into your, into what's going to end up being your vision. Right. Yes. And that's how we all do it. You know, we're all kind of out there influencing each other and inspiring each other. I know you're a huge inspiration to me with your artwork, even though our, our work is very different, Yeah, but we both like color a yeah, lot. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, and I can't wait for people to after this um, this podcast comes out, to be able to see your work because it's very distinct. Oh. Um, you know, folks on my team and I talk about how you know when you first came to a workshop, you know, there could be a room of fifteen people, and um, you know we're all trying to do our own thing, right? But then there'll always be those one or two artists that have this particular distinct style, not trying to emulate any other artist, and that's you. I mean, you're, I just remember your art, you were in the middle of the room and, uh, you know, people all around you. And um, it was just, it was, I was I, if y'all, I'm looking over here at my teammate, Amy, because we we're just like, wow, what, what is this woman and what is she creating? It's really remarkable. So I can't wait for you guys to go um, to see her work after this. But um, you were so immersed in the arts. Yes. Right. So what inspired you to start writing and start painting yourself? Oh, okay. So, um, excuse me while I take a sip of our ranch water. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Emergency tequila. That's right. That's another thing we have in common. Yeah, <laughs> Avid tequila fans. Yeah. Um, so... Okay, so you, you're asking me what? Okay, yeah. So you were, you were, I got, in, you were I, I got sidetracked. I know. With the <laughs> but you oh, were right. entrenched okay. in all this design yeah. stuff. So was there something that you're like, I'm gonna start writing? I'm gonna yes. start painting. Did something like that happen? A little bit. So I've always, I think, my whole life, I've been a writer um, in different ways. Um, a closet writer, probably. Lots of journals. Yeah. Um, but 
I remember when I was super little, it was pretty chaotic at my house and some, you know, some not great stuff was happening. And so I would escape into books and ultimately into journals as a way to process what was happening. And then I just love words. I'm just a nerd like that. So I've kind of always same, <laughs> <laughs> always journaled. And it's always, that's been such a like spiritual and, and um, therapeutic tool for me. But, and I knew that I was a good writer because my teachers in school would tell me and my favorite classes in school were my creative writing classes and I would really excel. And the, the irony about that is um, I made like an A plus in my advanced expository writing class in my senior year in college, right? And I was so proud of myself. I loved my teacher. And then I got to law school. <laughs> the first semester, they were like, "Miss Martinez, you don't know how to write. And I, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> Okay, I'm so not in the right place right now. I I beg your pardon. I do know how to write. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know how to write dry, boring shit. Exactly. That's your wanting. I to like write my that. logic is not your logic. Sorry. <laughs> Let's talk exactly. about how they feel. <laughs> like no. Anyway, so but I do. There was a specific kind of demarcation of when I started writing and painting, which was. My daughter, um, who is now in her second year in college, um, she was starting to get ready to leave home for college. And I realized this is the time. My daughter is a wonderful and layered, complex person. And so I realized, like, once she's out of the house, I'm going to have some time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have more time than I've ever had. And I was working on some projects that were very creative. But my husband kind of looked at me one night and he said, I think you've outgrown that stuff, that's somebody else's vision still. He said, what if you gave yourself some some uh, blank space, some white space? And I thought, okay. And so what I did was I signed up for a retreat in San Miguel de Allende. I, it's a wild writing retreat. And it's a very powerful, um, truth-telling kind of writing. And I ran across a poet there um, that I was really inspired by. And I followed her and ultimately got the bravery up to submit my own writing to her literary magazine. That is no small thing. <laughs> I know. That I know. is terrifying. And I did not expect good news at all, but um, they accepted one of my pieces and it was like one of the most exhilarating moments I've ever had in my whole life. Like yeah. when I got that email, I remember I was sitting in the parking lot somewhere and and I got the email and I like I felt like my whole body was just like warm and buzzing and I was just like I wish my mom was alive so I could tell her you know yeah. I didn't know who to tell but um anyway so that was like the universe saying you you should do some writing right and it's not because it was published like how many times have you written something and it's not great but I just, I think it's just whether or not I'd gotten published at that point, I would, I would have still fallen in love with the process of this wild writing format right? and with how much it was, it was bringing forth in me. And then, and then I <laughs> learned about Jody King, um, my husband, who is not an artist, who is like n hardly ever like points out something fun and cool that he read about. I'm usually the one that's like, check this out, check this out. And he brought me an article about Jody King. Yeah. And he's like, check this woman out. She is amazing. She's a self-taught artist. And I could not believe it because you're around my age and you had this incredible story and you're so successful. And it was so inspiring. And I was like, I need to find her. And, you know, I was intimidated. Like you really project with the power of who you are. Right. And then she got to know me. No. <laughs> But I was super, I was felt like little baby artist, right? Because I hadn't painted in so long. Mm -hmm. And even though I do have a studio space and I'd had a studio space for a while, I hadn't really gone in there that much yeah. when I was doing other stuff. So um, you and your art was a catalyst for me. I found that you were um, hosting a retreat in Austin yeah, and I signed up for it like in a five minutes, like it was no question. And I remember um, that weekend was one of the most fun weekends I've ever had in my whole life. We painted, we danced, we ate tacos, we, you know. Said bad words. Yes. <laughs> and then you also started, it was crazy. Okay. When I first met you, it was like, I had known you forever. You're so warm. You were wearing these pink shoes. Do you remember that? These cute pink shoes. I know my pink shoes, but I don't remember the moment. That and was... you hugged me like you knew me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this woman. 
And then um, one of the first things we did was we did journaling and a meditation. And I was like, oh my gosh, all day long. Like right. it just spoke to all the things that I really, really care yeah. about and that I love. And so that was a really transformative weekend for me. And you taught us the secrets, the color mixing yes. secret, the mother color. Yes. <laughs> also, it, this is being trademarked. So don't go yeah. fucking around and try to do this. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's been happening a lot. So no, yeah, this is right? bitter Jody coming not, out. Not right okay. Now. Not okay. So Jody, okay. And actually, I had signed up for your color course online before that retreat. Yeah. And I had started it. So I had had a little taste of it, but it in person was even better, y'all. If you have a chance to ever do a retreat with Jody, <laughs> go do it. It is so valuable. It was like life changing for me. Anyway, and she's not paying me to say this, like seriously. Um, but it's the tequila, <laughs> no. But it changed the way I painted. It changed the colors that I picked because you had a way of presenting the information that I finally understood. What the F was going on with right. this, this whole thing, why colors speak to each other, how they speak to each right. other. So I already think that, thank you for saying that you thought my art was nice. Was um, I, awesome. <laughs> I did not feel that way in that room with all those people. Like I thought I'm the only one that's not doing abstract art here. I'm such an outlier, like, <laughs> like what's wrong with me? Um, but I asked you, I said, can I do figurative? Cause that's what I like. And you said, yes, do it. And so, um, I didn't realize that that was actually a good thing. Oh, it was awesome. And there, and you know, just to, you know, put a little, um, spin on this is that there was so much talent in the room. Yes, right? there was, there, there was, was. A lot. there were people who were selling art oh, in yeah. the room. So I was looking at myself like little, like baby artists, like uh, clumsy redheaded little, you know, yeah, Stepchild. but I think this is important, <laughs> an important point because I talk about honest art often and oftentimes we have our own style, like you, you had your own style, but we question it and we go, well, but can I do this? And mm -hmm. is that going to be, number one, just okay. And number two, is it even viable, right? right? If we do feel like outliers, if we do feel like our work is different. And so learning to trust ourselves and learning to trust our style is just a huge part of the artist's journey. Right. You know? Well, I am still kind of in the middle of it. You know, yeah. um, I, I'm not fully there where I think that what I'm making is going to speak to somebody else, but I just have to still go with what I'm making because it's coming from inside me and through yeah. me and I can't do something else. Right. I can't be someone else. I'm, no. I'm me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, if I could say, well, I don't know if you're going to ask me a specific question. About no, keep it, going. <laughs> speaking of style, um, I'm developing it still, but I do, I do think that I have a certain style and I realized that some of it came from those women's studies classes that I took in college because it was the first time I'm from Mexico and not to stereotype myself, but you know, in, in general, the generations before mine were very um, deferential to men and very demure, even though they did wear the pants, but <laughs> they were demure and maybe not as well educated um, as they are now. And right. Mexico's made a lot of strides, but being a female from Mexico, it was like mind blowing to take these women's studies courses and kind of explore like, what does it mean to be a female and where, you know, why is there a, a wage disparity and why, why are the politics where they are? And my gosh, we've gone backwards, haven't we? But that's a whole nother podcast. Um, so it sounds like you had all of this dormant yes. within you and then you had your time. And so then you start writing and then you start painting and, you know, all of this comes up for you. Yes, it does. And it did. Um, so now it's interesting, the writing and the painting are intersecting in the studio. Um, I realized when my mom was, um, she passed away a while ago, but when she was getting sick and, you know, I was trying to like sort out my relationship with the end of her life. Um, 
I remember a lot of things that she used to say to us in Spanish when we were little. And it was like really funny stuff. And some of it was positive. Some of it was negative. But there were a lot of kind of directives about being good and being feminine. And I thought, gosh, I want to do a series of paintings about what those directives meant. And um, so doing storytelling through words and painting became, it was like, something new for me, but I tried it. And, you know, some of that first, the early stuff was really terrible. Like (laughs) I don't want anyone to ever see it, but I like the idea of it. And so what's happening now is that's evolved and evolved. And what I'm painting now, it still often will have words and, um, or maybe like lyrics from a song. Right. A lot of times it's in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of integrating the different parts of me that want to find a voice, whether it's like a little bit or a lot. Um, Some of it is literal. Some of it is more um, kind of abstract, but yeah, that's my style. I'd say has a lot of like storytelling right. and writing and color and figurative it's inc- forms. It's incredible. And I love that you said that you had this inkling to start writing and and then it it you didn't care for it, right? But it evolved into something that you do like and I think that's what happens with us as artists in which we have this idea like this spark of inspiration or curiosity um I'm thinking about some of the artists that I've worked with and like I I want to put words on you know on my paintings and so we try it and then we hate it Uh and we go well that didn't work Uh I'm not gonna do that anymore but that's not what I heard you did you're like okay let me just keep with this and see how it's going to evolve. And to me, that is a true artist's path. Yeah. Is you stay in the curiosity and you, as much as possible, which is so hard, stay out of self-judgment. Yes. And just continue with what feels, you know, what you can take out of that and what you don't want and et cetera. And you're so good at that. Thank you. To see how your art has evolved through that. Thank you. And that, and yet you're not, um, giving up who you are. Yeah. You are all of this as a writer and you are all this as an artist. I mean, you're all of it. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just going to stay here all day. <laughs> you just keep telling me that. Um, <laughs> true. Um, but you know, when you mentioned that, I think like storytelling has always been a part of who I am, right? With even when I was little and putting like my tea parties together with my dolls and like building a little like fort or whatever, there's always kind of a story there and movies were storytelling and, you know, creating environments and hotels is it's a story. You're telling a story of a space or you're creating a story that you want the guests to experience. Right. And so I can't not, uh, you know, keep trying with these words on my paintings. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just who I am. And uh, I don't know what that like perfect intersection is going to be between writing and painting, or I don't know, maybe it's going to be like a painting that doesn't have words on it, but it has a story piece next to it. Right. I'm still, I'm just kind of open to all of it. Well, hopefully, we never get to that destination when we're, we're done. Right. Right. It'll just keep evolving and evolving and evolving until we decide it's time to put the paintbrush down, which, you know, I, if if I know you and I, we'll have very gray hair (laughs) Um, and, and we'll, you know, go down fighting for sure. But I just want to turn the interview around just a minute. Yes. Um, And that is that I feel like you have such experience in so many different fields that you have a lot that you can um, offer artists, yes. right, um, in their journey. Because I hear so often that artists want to, um, you know, work with art consultants or their goal is to have art placed in some of these commercial um, places where more people can see their art, whether it's a restaurant or it's a hotel or whatever that might be. And because you have an experience of placing that art – Right. And I know we didn't really talk about that, but, um, you know, let's see. um, What do you have any general tips that you could give artists? Like, let's say an artist came and said, hey, I I would love to start getting my work, you know, placed in some of these places. What advice would you give them? Yes. Well, I have a lot of um, ideas or a lot of thoughts on that. Um, 
they're not very organized. That's good. <laughs> but why um, would we start now? <laughs> right? Gosh. Okay. But I think it goes back to the idea of when I stalked the woman at the creative happy hour to like ultimately get a job on a movie, um, you have to take chances. You have to tr like see yourself, like, let's say your example is how can an artist put their work in a restaurant, right? You right. have to, um, I would, I would encourage you to, um, think about all the different ways that you could if, pick the restaurant, right? Don't, if your work is like a certain vibe, if it's like, you know, really gentle and floral, you might not want to be at the, I don't know. At the big steakhouse in right, town. Right, exactly. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so kind of pick where you think you want your art to be and then try to find out who the management group is and then go to the place in the afternoon before they have the dinner service yeah. and say, hey, I would like to find out who the designer is for this space or if you're open to hanging art. I think a lot of times too, it's a good idea to try to look in the business journal or in even like there's some Austin Instagram accounts and magazines that are announcing businesses that are gonna open. Right. Try to catch that at the very, very beginning of something coming on board so that you can catch the design process before it's done. So that's really great advice. You know, any city that you live in and if you see, you know, a hotel coming up or yes. a, a restaurant or anything like that, that's when you, it's not when it's built. It's no. in, yeah, the earlier stages. So, and I'll speak directly to that. I was lucky because I worked on the hotel, hotels in Mexico. And then strangely enough, um, my, my now husband, um, he switched careers and began working in the hospitality business. Right. So he knew that I had the ability to, um, select and place art. Right. So I got lucky. I had an inside lead on how to start doing that. Right. And I did that for some of the properties that we built. Right. So I'm not sure that somebody out there in general would have known that we were looking for art, but we did actually for the South Congress Hotel. Right. We did um, put out a call for artists because what we wanted to do, there's so much bad hotel art, y'all. Like, right. oh my God. So bad. Everywhere. It's it's getting better, but like I would say this is a place that the artists should really think about tapping into because hotels are realizing that it's terrible and they, they really do want better art. And um what we did for South Congress Hotel is we um, we identified. Oh, so okay, I went to East the East Austin Studio Tour, the West Austin Studio Tour, and I identified artists that I thought were a good match, right? Maybe for our aesthetic, and I contacted them, and we did paid. We paid them to submit samples, um, so that they would feel valued because it's important to value um, an artist's work. We're just gonna say that. Again, for the folks in the back, <laughs> it's important to value an artist's work yeah. and to pay them. <laughs> yes. My gosh. Right. Yes. Um, so we paid them for samples. And if we, you know, we narrowed it down to the three or four artists that we thought were the best aesthetic match. So let me, hold on just real quick. When you said you paid them for samples, was when you say samples, are you saying that the artist submitted a painting or, or was it a print or? Yes. Yes. They pay, they submitted whatever they, we gave them a, like a kind of a general idea of what the aesthetic would be. Right. And they, it was a, up to them, whatever they wanted to submit. It could be a drawing. It could be a photograph. It could be a small painting, just something to give us an idea of what they would then create if, if they were selected. Okay. So, um, and then we did, um, narrow it down. And when we chose the artists that we did want to work with, um, we, you know, we commissioned them to make 10 to 15 pieces of their original art and yeah. to hang in the hotel. And, um, it was a win-win because we were on a budget and we found artists that were emerging and they yeah. were willing to make work that maybe wasn't super, super high-end expensive, but it feels real and authentic. Yeah. So, um, we got super lucky that if you see the, the artwork in the hotel, it's amazing. Right. Or I mean, not, not because I picked it, but yeah, <laughs> but I think it's reflective of the vibe of the South Congress Avenue. Right? right. And it's eclectic and all that. Anyway, I would highly encourage anyone listening to think about, um, identifying hospitality groups who are going to come into town 
and try to get in, in touch with their designers immediately and so, and, and see if they need stuff. That is, and, and I think so often we think, well, they don't need, you know, they already know what they like and uh, designers that feels really, really intimidating. But the truth is designers are just like, they're looking for the best stuff. Absolutely. They're for really cool. Make it easy for them. And honestly, I think this is a really untapped um, area because even for us, we are a very design-driven project, very, very design-driven. And yet, even for us, it was an afterthought. It was like, oh, shoot, it's time to get the art. Like, what are we going to do? It was a hurry. Like, we were like, oh, my gosh. So um, I'd say, like, you might present, even if the designer thinks they have what they want, you might present something that is even cooler. And the designer goes, oh, let's do that. Right. Yeah. And they don't have to go buy the other thing that might be even more expensive than what you're offering or right. whatever, you know? So that, that begs the next question of if you are an artist and you're submitting to, you know, this design group, um, or should you be submitting original work because, or should you be doing prints? And the reason I ask that is so often we believe that, uh, that the, our prices are going to have to be really low for, uh, especially for a, a hotel or something like that. And so uh, how much does that play into it? Or does it just depend and some design groups want original because that's important to their aesthetic? Uh, you know, what, what do you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> I think my, I'm not sure, but my gut is to, to say that original is probably preferable in these situations because that's part of the draw. I think hotels like to say we have original art in our hotel. However, I have been to some really design-driven hotels recently that they do have prints of this really cool piece that yeah. the artist submitted probably as an original, but then they had prints made of that original piece. I don't know if right. that answers your question. No, it, it does. And I think the answer is it depends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to make an assumption. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what we do is we just stand in who we are as artists and the work that we do mm -hmm. and we submit from that perspective. Right? right. And being open to, to whatever the design group, we're like, you're not, you're not going to be, you know, a hard ass, right. You're going right. to be open to working collaboratively with the design group, but just stand in who you are and what you do best. Absolutely. And, and then just, um, I think this is another thing we were going to talk about too, is even if they don't pick your art for that hotel, that designer knows who you are now and they know your work and they might have a perfect project on the next project. Right. And a lot of times hotel, well, I don't know. I mean, it, we did it for us, but Hotels might hire a local designer so that right. they can have a local flavor. Right. They might be a big hospitality group, but they hire a local designer. And that local designer also has interior residence clients right. who they might need your work for someone's home. And you submitted for the hotel and they didn't pick you, but they know about you. And now they might pick you for somebody's home. So I think interior designers in general are a great um, resource for emerging artists and artists who want to get their work out there. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And I've said this before, but, you know, artists always are thinking that their pinnacle is going to be a, the gallery system. Like mm -hmm. if I could just get into a gallery that would just, you know, validate me as an artist, validate my work, all of that. But the truth is there are four times as many interior designers as there are galleries. And if your goal is to sell art, you're really missing a huge opportunity by not at least, it doesn't have to be an either or, but you're missing in a huge opportunity by not tapping into um, designers in your area. Absolutely. I, I think if, you know, be creative about how you can find designers in the first place, like ask your friends, who are your interior design friends? And ask if you can have, like, if there's one that, you know, is super friendly and open and maybe starting out, ask if you can take them to coffee and say, hey, would you need my work? Or can you just give me some advice? Or can you turn me on to someone who you think does need my work? And um, I think it's just back to that point about, like, stalk the person at the party, right? Yeah. <laughs> just keep trying and put yourself out there and stay open because that's when the magic happens. Yes. And if I hadn't 
you know, probably stalked you a little bit with your retreats. And yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think that we'd be, we would be sitting here right now because I, after I realized how um, valuable and magical working with Jody and learning from her was, I like couldn't, I couldn't stop. I, and I, <laughs> I was like, may, I hope someday she'll like want to have a drink with me, you know? Um, and here we are. Yeah. But I do think you just on camera. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Wait till we start dancing. <laughs> Dance class. Coming yeah. up. Um, but yeah, I think there are lots of ways to get your artwork out there and also East and West East Austin studio tour, West Austin studio tour, get in there. I, have seen some really just okay stuff as like a person go walking through it yeah, and some really amazing stuff. And every time I walk there, I go, why am I not showing my work? Yeah. Because like it, there's all kinds of stuff there. So what if, what if somebody say lives in Philadelphia, a place that really I have no, yeah. I, I don't have any information right. in, but you're an artist in this city and you're like, I, I'm not part of, uh, I'm just creating out of my home and I love what I do. It sounds, and I'm really curious about what your thoughts are on this because you're, uh, you're one of your gifts is you, you are a networker. You're not afraid to say, Hey, let's, you know, to meet new people and all that. You're so brilliant at that. Um, but let's say there's an artist in this, like the city and they're painting in their bedroom and they're wondering why they're not selling all their art <laughs> on social media. I hear this all the time. Well, I post it on social media and that's my strategy. And it has to be more than that. It has, you have to, to cast your net and put yourself out there a little bit more. So would, you know, what would your recommendations be? Okay. Um, this is hilarious <laughs> because hilarious. <laughs> Because as we speak, I'm like giving advice to people about getting their work out there. And I have been so scared to put my work out there. In fact, yeah. I'm going to use this podcast as like um, a courage exercise <laughs> to finally launch my own Instagram, which yeah. we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But um, anyway, um, my advice for somebody in Philadelphia, we don't know those cities, but I think the common thread is... Um, get out there to creative events. Yes. And something like creative mornings, yep. you know, yep. like start to get into the little pockets of places where creatives are meeting and gathering and free workshops. And you, you'll start to meet the people who yes. are interested in the same things and just keep asking questions. You don't have to be a great people person. Like I feel dorky and awkward and embarrassed half the time, right? Like I'm not a good stalker. It's... Which is just so <laughs> odd to me. Because... But, but I also, I think almost every single really cool thing that happens is because you took a chance yes. and because you were a little bit brave and because you um, started to breathe life into your fantasy. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. That is such a as Oprah would say, that's such a tweetable moment. <laughs> Let's tweet. <laughs> Amy, like, you got that? Yeah. So every, <laughs> every good thing that happens, it comes because you put yourself out there scared and you just have to be brave and you have to breathe. What is it you said? Breathe light, breathe life. Yes. Into your, into your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I, it's something I have so to big. remind myself to do every day. You know, Yeah. it's hard and it it's so scary. Hard. But we're doing it. We are doing it. And it, the the comfort zone is where all of our dreams go and die. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so true. It's, it's really comfortable, though. But <laughs> So comfortable, but it's a graveyard for your yeah. dreams. So, yeah. So um, I have to remember that. There are some times where I don't leave my home you know, for days and days on end. And I'm like, gosh, why am I feeling a little sad? I'm like, because you... <laughs> Because you've isolated yourself. (laughs) Imagine that. And even at this point in my career, it's a reminder, get out there and stay because it invigorates us and it inspires us. And we're artists. What more, you know, we, inspiration is everything. Absolutely. Oh, one more idea too is, um, for me, when I worked on movies, we were always super careful to not use artwork that we were going to um, use without permission for the sets. And I don't know what's going on these days with sourcing artwork that's 
clear to use. It's called clear clearances. Um, in fact, that's my, that was my first job on my first movie was to do the legal clearances and also run the coffee orders. (laughs) Um, anyway, so, but one, one idea is to contact the film commission in whatever state you live in and see, um, the list of production designers and set decorators and just try to get in touch with them and say, I will make art for your movie that you have permission to use if you have that need. That is a great tip. Yeah. That's one I haven't heard before. Right. I mean, we did we did sometimes commission artists so that we didn't have to deal with the copyright and license issues. Right. And it was also affordable and it was like good juju. It was, you know, like it was good stuff to use a, a real yeah. artist instead of just some weird random piece of art that we couldn't figure out yeah. who, who had made it, you yeah. know? So that helps the artists. Well, for it helps everybody, right? You get, you get great quality art. That's number one. But then as an artist, you get to have that on your CV. Sure. Or just, if you don't forget CV, you just get to have it as your bragging rights. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Also, you can, you can rent it to the movie and then you get to keep it. And then it's got cachet because let's say your art was in the Barbie movie yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Then like if the movie really like goes goes viral then or whatever, um, then your your piece has value and it's still yours. So you make a great point about that, about renting. And this is something that um, I don't have a lot of experience with, with renting. You know, how would an artist know how to rent? Is that something that the uh, the the production company would set like, this is what we're willing to rent. Or is it something the artist needs to know? Like how would an artist know that ahead of time? I would say you heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you have options. Um, It's going to depend on the needs of the production, but in order to keep things affordable, I know that when we needed art, sometimes we would say, will you rent it to us? Because it, you know, it'll be a hundred dollars you know, a day or whatever it was. And, um, and it was more affordable than us buying this really more expensive piece. But if it's better for you to sell it, like maybe just, it's probably case by case, but explore that. And they will tell you if they'd rather rent it, they will tell you because a lot of times they don't have the storage space. They don't want to acquire something. They just want to use it. What are they going to do with it? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a very, um, you know, disposable or, you know, pop-up kind of situation where they use it for two days and then, and then they don't need it anymore and they don't want to deal with it. Right. So you can rent it for a few days and then rent it again or sell it to someone else who thinks it's cool that it was in a movie. Yeah. You know? I love that. I love that. Um, we have gone so far oh, off, um, <laughs> but I feel like we have talked about a lot of things. Um, let's, let me just ask you this because I know we've, you've already offered so much value to artists. So thank you. Um, but before we rewrap this up, we have a tradition here where a previous guest um, asks a question for another guest and they never know who it is. Right. So we have your question and here it is. Um, do you have a piece that you've created uh, that depicts, perfectly depicts your soul? And if so, can you tell us the story behind it? I love that question. That's a great question. <laughs> it's also a little hard to answer. Yes. Uh, especially if you paint often, you're like, oh, that reflects my soul today. But yes. the other one, like last week. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I ha- I'm going to cop out a little and say <laughs> a little bit of that. Um, because truly, <laughs> before before I came on this or yesterday, I went and got a manicure because I was going to be here. And, um, the manicurist was like, what's this? And she like was disgusted. And she like showed me a part of my arm and it was covered in like different colored paints. And I guess like it, it was stuck. Like I had, I had showered, but it was still there. Anyway, I've been in the studio a lot, which has been so fun. And I feel like I've turned a corner, which has been so fun. So it's hard for me to answer this question because there are a few pieces that I feel that way about right now. But the commonality of them is that they're, um, they have a saying in Spanish on them and they have a lot of energy and color and there's little like pockets of 
symbology in them. Maybe like I realized I didn't, I wasn't trying to make like a mountain or a house in the background, right. but there's a little house there yeah, and there's a little mountain there and there's a plant and like, isn't that funny how that happens? So that's what I was saying about dreamscapes is that sometimes I think things that are in the back of my mind or in my heart, I don't even know they're going to come out, but in the shapes that I'm making, I see these little like little delightful. So the way that that reflects my soul is that I do think my Hispanic heritage is a big part of who I am. Of course. And I've had to, you know, be a very Americanized version of myself in this city and in general. And I'm grateful that I have access to both these amazing cultures. Right. But um, these pieces that I think reflect my soul have a, a Mexican element to them. And also they are figurative and they're about women and um, there's a lot of color and energy and there's no white space. Like people say like, let the eye rest. Well, too bad. Your, uh, your eye is not going to rest because it's, you know, I think my mind is very active and I have a lot of ideas at all times. And so that's what you see in these paintings and, yeah. you know, might not be for some people, but those paintings are very reflective of like kind of the layers of, the way that I think about life and the kind of the way that it all um, can kind of come together as a story, even though it's a little bit disparate. Right. 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 So, well, you just because I'm so familiar with your art, um, you may not consider it. It may not be considered white space, but uh, the way your work is, is there are there are conversations. Yes. And um you know, if you have, if like, if you're sitting at the dinner table and everybody is speaking really loudly, no one can hear any really conversation. And so that's, I think the idea of white space is to give that, that, you know, that take a breath, right? Yes. But if you have some conversations that are a little quieter yeah, and you have some other conversations that are a little more, uh, you know, boisterous, you can have those at the same table. Yes. And that yes. to me is what's beautiful about your work. Thank is you. that you have several conversations yes. and you just want to linger in the painting um, in hopes that you can pick up on all of them. Yes. And it really also goes down to like the technical aspects of what you taught us about color with hue yeah. and having a variety of brushstrokes and a variety of hues. Yeah. And so there's a lot going on in the paintings, but there is definitely like light and dark and all that. Yeah. So. Just to stay in that. And that I learned that from you. <laughs> <laughs> I could offer something. <laughs> All right. So um, you just answered beautifully that question. Do you have a question for the next guest? Yes, I do. And this goes back to me like, I need to practice what I preach and get my work out there because I've been super shy. So my question is, how do you know when it's time? How do you know your work is ready? How do you know it's finished and not good enough? That's such a terrible way to put it. But, you know, how do you know it's it's gotten dressed and <laughs> wants to leave the house? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a great question. And I think it's uh, important for every artist to – oh, I think it's important for us as artists to hear what other artists have to say because it is different for all of us. Yes. But it could inspire – someone to go, oh, maybe today is the day that yeah. I'm going to, uh, you know, come out of the closet per se <laughs> and, and, you know, let the world know that I, in fact, am an artist. Um, this has been the most incredible conversation. Anytime I get to spend with you, it's great. But I love this because I think your experience and your knowledge, you have so much to offer Thank you. artists everywhere. So how can artists find you? How can everyone find you? Okay. Well, um, first of all, thank you. It's been such a privilege and I just adore you and everything that you're doing for artists. Thank you. Um, so uh, I have a website. It's, uh, it's anastapleton.com, A-N-A-S-T-A-P-L-E-T-O-N.com. And also my new, um, yet to be launched, but today I think is the day, um, <laughs> website, I mean, sorry, Instagram account is Anna Stapleton Art, A-N-A Stapleton A-R-T. Awesome. Yeah. Anna Stapleton Art. Yes. Find her on Instagram and show her some love, especially after, <laughs> uh, after and, all of the value she's given us today. And if there are any questions after this, people are free to, I am happy to answer and delve into it. I mean, we all have to help each other. I love that yeah. part of it, you know? 
Absolutely. We're and all together in it. We are all in this together and it's all, you know, the law of reciprocity. The more yes. that we put out, the more yes. that comes back to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today thank on you. the Honest Art Podcast. <laughs> My guest, Anna Stapleton. Y'all take care of each other. Wait, let me try that again. Y'all take care of each No, one more time. <laughs> Y'all take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs> I've got exciting news. I've just finished up a collection that I'm releasing on November 11th, on 11-11. So once a year, I paint a collection of 20 small 12-inch by 12-inch paintings to offer to my collectors. I'd like to be able to offer these because they're at a little bit more approachable price point, but they're still original art. So this collection is a bit of a new direction for me creatively, and I don't think I've ever been so excited about a collection before. I can't wait to share these pieces with you. Because I only have 20 of them, I offer them to the collectors on my email list first. So if you'd like to be the first to see and have access to the collection, be sure to get on my email list. I'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes to make it easy to get on the list.